Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Fourth of July. It's not a necessarily, you know, spiritual holiday, but it's a holiday. And to this year, safe and sane, it is a fireworks-free holiday. Fireworks are banned virtually everywhere. So don't... <laughs> Everybody, my, my dogs are happy. Birds are happy. Bees are happy. You know, so just... Uh, I know if you go on, on TV, you can watch fireworks examples. You were, I was, oh, man, before I even asked, I was going to ask you. Um, you can watch, there's fireworks shows on TV, but then you can go on YouTube and just find fireworks and just watch them on your screen. And it's fun, right? No, it's not fun. Um, ha- have a barbecue, eat some hot dogs, whatever. Do that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, so, hey, for if, you, if you've... Uh, if you've been away or whatever, guests, friends of, whoever, we, we have been uh, you know, slowly navigating our way through the book of Ephesians now for about, uh, I don't know, six, seven months. Such a, such a profound and powerful book. I mean, I, again, I remember when we started this series, so many people said, yes, yeah, I love Ephesians, my favorite book. Uh, we've been taking our time. It really, really is good. Last week, uh, just for for context and for review, we, we talked about moving out of the darkness into the light. Uh, particularly, we, we looked at for a minute the uh, understanding the wrath of God. If you would go to that slide. So remember we said that grace is the unmerited favor of God. God gives his forgiveness to us. His grace is, is, is free for the asking. We can't earn that. We can't buy it. But we do have to receive it. We accept God's gift to us. And if we choose not to accept God's gift, then we are left to the consequences of our sin, which is the wrath of God. It's really just, it's being left to yourself, to our own end. And if you're like me, and we're honest with one another, the truth is, if I'm left to myself, it's not good. Not going to end well. Uh, I need God, and, uh, and I am grateful that, that he has made that gift, and I accept it. <laughs> um, you'll also recall last week, we used Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah, Old Testament Isaiah, as an example of that. Uh, you recall at the beginning of his prophetic book, Isaiah was a really good guy, all right? He, he, Isaiah was, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, a lot of Old Testament characters were somewhat flawed, and I'm, I am always thankful for that because I like that people are flawed and we see that side of them because it makes me feel a little better about myself. But Isaiah was one of those guys who you don't see anything negative about him. He was, he was a solid guy. But again, when he came into the presence of God, he says, oh, woe is me, woe is me. Uh, I'm unclean. And, and that's the reality. God, God is pure light, pure goodness. God is pure holiness. 
James, uh, go to the next slide for me. James calls him the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And we come into the presence of God, we realize really how much we do need him, don't we? You know, I, I, um, I don't know that I've had an experience like Isaiah exactly, but we, we see the Lord in different ways, don't we? Sometimes, um, uh, you know, in worship, you close your eyes and you, uh, you just sort of, you know, sense and feel and know God's presence. Prayer maybe for you, uh, reading scripture, maybe just walking and talking with God in nature. There's a lot of ways that we come into the presence of God and we see him. Um, we have an increased awareness of God. And I find in those moments when I do have that increased awareness of God, uh, I also have an increased awareness of how, how desperately I need God in my life. Um, John Wimber used to say that humility is a clear understanding of where you end or where I end and where God begins. That's so true, isn't it? Uh, when, when I realize where do I end and where does God begin, that's a humbling thing, but it makes me all the more thankful that he's available to us. So that's just kind of a quick review. Today we're going to pick up in um, verse 15. Uh, this, this little passage is an encouragement uh, from Paul for us to be wise and aware of the world we live in. Uh, you know, and I just was, again, thinking about that as I was uh, studying and preparing this week and realizing that this was written in a different culture, in a different time, in a different era, all of that. But how relevant is that today? Wise and aware of the world that we live in, it's... Uh, it's a necessary thing. So our title this morning is This Present Evil Age. That sounds kind of ominous, and it kind of is. <laughs> but let's pray. Jesus, thanks so much. Um, God, I'm just thankful this morning for you and for being here on, the, on this weekend and the holiday and just, uh, just being here with these friends and the opportunity we have. Lord, it, it never, ever, ever... Uh, gets old, being in your presence, being with you, being with your family, your kids, your children, our brothers and sisters. There's nothing, nothing, nothing greater than that. And we are blessed this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And I pray that you would give me grace and uh, wisdom as I share this morning. And that uh, your word would penetrate the hearts of your people in such a way that it would bring life, uh, that it would bring the newness of who you are to us this day and every day. In your name we pray, amen. I want to um, actually begin with uh, so, sort of uh, the middle, the little phrase at the end of verse 16, and then kind of back up from there. So if you would go to that. go. Is there back one? That one. Uh, so it says, because the days are evil. And I start, I'm starting here, and then we'll back up because... Oh, I was going to read all of them first, wasn't I? We'll come back. Um, <laughs> Keeping an, keep an Emmy on our toes. Um, we, don't, we don't typically think of days as being evil. There was a couple days last week that were kind of evil. But normally, when you think of evil, something being evil... 
Uh, we might, I mean, as a Christian, the first thing that comes to my mind is Satan, he's evil. Uh, his buddies, demons, they're evil. We might think of people that, that are, uh, you know, disconnected from God and sort of under Satan's thumb, under his power. They, those folks might be evil, but I don't normally think of days or time frames uh, as, as being evil, and yet in Scripture... Uh, Paul characterizes the time we live in as being evil. If you look at Galatians, he puts it this way. Go further. There you go. Grace and peace to you from God our Go to the to the graph there. So this is a little uh, graph to explain this. I adapted this from George Ladd. Uh, George Eldon Ladd is a Christian author, for, you know, in the fifties and sixties, uh, who was very very instrumental in Wimber's life and in kind of the formation of what we call today kingdom theology. And it's really understanding of the kingdom of God. If you're interested in that, the book that this chart comes from is called The Gospel of the Kingdom. And it's, it's a summary. It's a really short little book that's super easy to understand. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Lad has lots of other books about the kingdom, but that's the best one to start with. But let me just take a minute try quickly to to sort of uh, put this in context for you the two horizontal black lines that kind of form a grid are time so if you look to the left uh, you know it begins with the fall I didn't go all the way back could have gone to creation but Genesis 2 and 3 there the fall where sin enters the world following that you have throughout the Old Testament, the prophetic promise of the coming kingdom. And again, we see that in Isaiah, Jeremiah, and other places. And also then the green line below that is characterized as this present evil age or the kingdom of darkness. And then the two vertical lines, the first one is the first coming of Jesus, the advent. The second is the second coming of Jesus, uh, the parousia, which we're still waiting for. So... The present evil age, the kingdom of darkness, begins back at the fall, extends past the first coming of Jesus, and ends then at the second coming of Jesus, whereas the age to come, the kingdom of light, is inaugurated or begins at the first coming of Jesus, and then extends past the second coming of Jesus. But you'll notice that the green arrow, that one ends, and things change. And then that side, to the right side of that arrow, we have heaven, eternity, paradise, new heaven, new earth. And in between those two lines, and this is the important part where we live today, the blue line going backwards is the prayer of thy kingdom come, and it's God's kingdom from the future breaking into the present, we call that time that we're in today the church age. It began with the coming of Jesus and extends. Uh, it's all You might have heard the phrase, the already not yet, or Lad refers to it as the time between the times. Um, does, that all, does that make any sense to anyone? No. Yeah, I know it does to you. 
Uh, so here's an example of that, a, co a contemporary illustration at the bottom. Those of you that are history buffs will remember World War II. D-Day, the invasion of Norm Normandy by Allied troops, took place on June 6th of 1944. Effectively, the war was over that day, but the battle did continue, and I forgot the number of lives, but there were actually thousands of Allied lives lost in that year between D-Day and V-Day, Victory Day, May 9th, 1945, when in fact the fighting did stop. So there was this time in between. And that's really where we live today. We live in a time where the kingdom of God has come. It's real. It's alive. It's active, but it's not fully consummated. So some of the other stuff is still active as well. Here is your 50-point bonus question for the day. All right. Can anybody tell me what the D in D-Day stands for? Don't Google Anybody know? Take a guess. Nope. This is this is where this, again, once again, you, n nowhere else do you get this. Only here. Duck day. It might as well be because here's the reality: it doesn't stand for anything. One of the. It's not a trick question. It's a good question because it should stay. D-Day, everybody knows that, right? We know what that is. It's, a, it's an important date in American history, and it doesn't stand for anything. That's ridiculous. So it just stands for day, D-Day, day, whatever. That's ridiculous. I'm so far off. Um, but let me say this. The, the kingdom of God, going back, can I, can I redeem myself? Going back to the chart, the kingdom of God breaks into our life today in all kinds of ways. And when we pray and someone is healed, that's what happens is the kingdom of God comes in. When, we, when someone's delivered, when, when, when the poor are fed, when, when uh, someone comes into relationship with Jesus or deepens, there's all sorts of activities like that that can happen uh, that are the, the kingdom of God coming into our hearts, our lives, our community, the world we live in. And that's really uh, the context for this. So with that, Paul says this, uh, next slide, go ahead. Be very careful then how you live. Oh, did I get, I, see my, okay, be very careful, come on. Be very careful how you live. After he tells us to be careful, he gives us three contrasting statements as to what that looks like. So go ahead and go to the next one. So if you read the next few verses, he says, don't be unwise Rather, do be wise. Don't be foolish. And this is interesting and I think important. The opposite of foolish is understand what the Lord's will is. Do that. Don't be drunk with wine. Instead, do be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and again, a reference there to, to acts of the filling with the Spirit. Uh, and we'll... we'll come back to that a little, a little more in a minute, but the, the, the point is, is simply be careful how you live because life is not a walk in the park, all right? Uh, as Steve Irwin used to say, danger, danger, danger. Anybody? 
couple people remember that. I love Steve Irwin, man. Uh, but the, the, there's landmines everywhere. Life is dangerous. Uh, life in this age has to be navigated carefully. If we're not alert and aware, we will find ourselves falling into the trap of the enemy, and it happens so quickly and so easily. And while we're being aware, as we're alert and aware, he tells us to do this, make the most of every opportunity. This is really being aware of the Lord's will. There's opportunities all around us. And the truth is, most of the time, most of the time, and I'm just being honest, this is not an indictment against anyone, for, for most of us, most of the time, we are distracted. We're caught up in the stuff of life, the normal day-to-day routines, and we don't make the most of every opportunity. In fact, we actually miss a lot of opportunities. Opportunities come to us all the time in many different ways. Uh, this week, uh, Donna was with some friends of ours doing a listing appointment for their home, Correct. This is correct. And uh, while they were there, they were just looking at the house, taking pictures, taking notes, whatever, prepping for, you know, putting the house on the market. And a guy who is one of the builders of the house, who happens to be a neighbor, stopped by. He's talking for a little while, sharing with them. And he had he had injured himself in construction. That happens. Uh, injured his bad really bad as back really bad, had to have surgery and had therapy and a bunch of stuff, but still in, after all of that, a lot of pain. So Donna's listening and she says, well, hey, can I pray for you? And she prayed for him. And that's one of those opportunities that if we're not alert and aware, we might miss. I was talking to some friends of mine yesterday uh, about an experience like that in my life uh, a couple of years ago up at our food pantry, uh, walking out to the car with the grocery basket with one of the guys there, uh, a Middle Eastern guy named Saul. And uh, Saul seemed kind of sad that day. He'd been in before, you know, whatever. So I just said, hey, man, how's it going? And he says, oh, life is really, really hard. And I said, well, tell me about it a little bit. And he said, well, you know, I've been here in this country for seven years. And my wife and my son are still, I, I forget where he's from, but somewhere in the Middle East. He goes, they're still there. And we've been trying and trying to get them to this country, but we haven't been able to. And I said, man, that, that is so hard. I can't believe you've been separated from your family for seven years. And he says, yeah, it's, it's, it's just so sad, so hard. And then... You know, I was just kind of empathizing with the guy, but I said, hey, Saul, let me, you know, I'll pray for you. And when I said that, he burst into tears and just began sobbing immediately. And he looks at me and he says, you're the first person that's ever said they would pray for me. And I just share that to say those opportunities are out there. If you go to the next slide, I mean, back in chapter 2, Paul said, for we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The truth is those opportunities are all around us every day. And if we're aware and we, and we make the most of the opportunity, I believe 
we can be then vehicles of light and extend the kingdom of God into the hearts and lives of people and into our community and, and, and frankly, truly, truly make a difference, truly make a difference in the world that we live in. So our, our response, again, back to this text, can be wise or unwise. Um, and, and I want to say this, when, when Paul talks about wisdom, I want to be really, really clear. Wisdom, biblically, has not, it's not about, it's not an issue of IQ or intelligence or how smart someone is. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. Wisdom is a series of daily decisions in which we choose to move towards God or move away from God. And, and that, that transcends your intellect. You can be, you know, the smartest guy in the room or the smartest guy in the planet and miss what God's doing. Conversely, you don't have to be. Uh, if you've never read a book, if you can be completely uneducated, whatever, you can still have the wisdom of God direct you and lead you into those opportunities to experience expand his kingdom. And I want to add, and this is important to me, the, the text here does not explicitly state this, but it strongly implies it. And that is that these qualities that he's talking about are really cultivated in a corporate setting. They happen when we're together. And that is just another reason for me, while it's so, so important that we maintain community, that we maintain commitment to one another, that we, that we come together to worship. Um, those things are, are so, so important. We, we will grow. We will, you can, when he says, understand what the Lord's will is, I, I believe, this is my personal conviction, we can only really understand what the Lord's will is in relationship with one another. I think it's, it's, it's difficult, maybe impossible, to discern God's will 100% on your own. Look, we all hear from God. We, we know that. We all have discernment as we hear from God. But... To avoid being what Paul calls foolish here, being unwise, I believe that we come together and we process life with one another. That every decision we make should be processed in the context of the body of Christ. And look, that's commensurate with the importance of the decision, okay? So in other words... When I get up in the morning and I say, should I wear the blue shirt or the red shirt? I might ask my wife. She has a little better fashion sense. But I don't really need to talk to other people about that. That's not that big of a decision. But as the decisions get more important, it's, 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 it's more important also that I process those decisions through with other people. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, the more that uh, a decision has bearing and weight on your life, you know, if you look at relationships, jobs, relocation, things like that, those are things that should be processed with other people. Does that make sense? Um, so uh, th there are a number of, of behaviors in the course of life 
that are characteristic of being unwise. But, but here in this passage, Paul singles out being drunk. Why does he choose that one? And this has a cultural and a transcendent dynamic to it. The cultural dynamic was this, that there were groups of Gentiles at the time, people outside of the church, that would have parties, festivals. And at those festivals, it would involve drunkenness. The drunkenness would lead to immorality and violence and other things. Not that that would ever happen today. If you remember Coachella, you weren't there. (laughs) The, The cultural dynamic he's explaining still happens today. One thing leads to another... And it, and it, the end result is what? Think about last week. The wrath of God. Okay? You're left to the consequence of your sin. You're outside of God's provision and grace. And it's not a good place to be. So he says here, don't do that. Be wise, not foolish. And then instead, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the conclusion of the section, which we, we didn't, I skipped over for, cause I forgot. We didn't read the whole passage, but we'll look at it now. He concludes this section with a picture of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. And there's four behaviors, and I want to look at each one real quick. Oh, we're good. Real quick. So go to, uh, there you go. Speak to one, the first behavior, This is what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Um, It's a weird thing because he says, speak with songs, hymns, and songs. So I I don't think he means to like speak in a sing-song voice. Hello, I greet you today with the greetings of the Lord. Uh, It's it's a little tough in the translation, but I I think he's he's saying, speak life, speak scripture, speak truth to one another, speak psalms to one another. I I very often will, if I think of somebody, I'll text them a psalm or something, or, you know, just a little quote. Friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, will post pictures on his Instagram account almost daily of some picture, and there's a psalm under it. Every time I see those things, I'm always encouraged by it. So just give life to one another in that way. Take opportunities, make the most of every opportunity to speak life and truth and healing and, and, and encouragement into the hearts and lives of those around you. Second one is related to singing. Singing, make music from your heart to the Lord. Um, music is so vital to our life our health, our well-being, our vitality, just listening to music, uh, probably not death metal, but generally speaking, listening to music brings peace, doesn't it? Anybody find that? Um, and, and I want to I wanna say, so when we've talked about worship before, and I've taught on worship, we've made it clear, and this is true, that worship is not confined to just singing what we do here. Worship is bigger than that. It's our whole life, right? We, do, we can do a lot of things as worship unto the Lord. That said, what I want to say today is this. When we come together corporately as a body of Christ, whether it's here on Sunday 
at your home group, uh, sometimes just friends gathering together, whatever, different meetings, we worship in song. And that is so incredibly life-giving. And the reason that that tradition has endured, if you look at the history of the church for 2,000 years, there have been so many changes in how church life is done. But consistent throughout, there, there are a couple of splinter groups that don't worship in song, and they're wrong. <laughs> but, but everyone else, and it doesn't matter you know, if if it's hymns or whatever, the style has nothing to do with that, the format, the style. The, the reality of worship and song is precious and glorifying to God and healing and restorative to our hearts. And it, it, that's why in the vineyard movement, it's our it's our core, it's our roots, our foundation, because early, early on without even being able to theologically define that, we found it to be true. And again, the history of the Vineyard Movement, for those of you that don't know or have lost touch with that, in a place of just desperation and brokenness, a handful of people come together and began to sing songs to the Lord. And out of that, they were healed and they were made whole. And what we know of the... uh, what we know of as the vineyard today grew from that place of brokenness, just coming before God and singing those simple songs to him. And that's why that is so, so vital to everything we do. And it will never, ever change. We, we might change, we can change anything and everything else, but we'll never change that because it's, it's the heart of relationship between God and his people. Third thing he says, is always give thanks to God the Father for everything. I love that statement. Fairly definitive. Always in everything, do not leave a lot of wiggle room. Okay? Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. All right? Good reminder. Gratitude needs to be the condition of our heart all the time and in everything. Sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's not as easy. But we need to cultivate that process of being grateful and giving thanks. I, I believe, you know, we different. We all have different approaches to prayer, different approaches to our devotional life. I would say this. If your devotional life, if your normal prayer routine doesn't involve time for thanksgiving, you should rethink it a little. I believe there should be thanksgiving all the time in our heart for everything. That's what Paul says, everything, for our job, for our family, for our friends, for our church, for for everything, for everything we have, for our circumstances. Sometimes circumstances are hard. And I'll tell you, there's a, it, it's not easy, but there's a time, there's a place where you can come into relationship with God and say, Jesus, thank you so much for what I'm going through right now because I know, I know that your hand is on me. You're going to see me through this. And on the other side, there's going to be something deeper in my relationship with you that wasn't here before. And, and that's, that's, that's really depth and maturity in our relationship with God. And we can begin to thank God on that level. And then the fourth and final thing he says 
is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is an interesting verse. If you look, if you're reading from your Bible today, chances are that that phrase is hanging in the middle by itself, not connected to the paragraph above and not connected to the paragraph below. The reason for that is this, that the translators don't know what to do with it. Does it belong with the paragraph above or does it belong with the paragraph below? So I have the answer. Trust me. <laughs> it belongs with the paragraph above. I believe it belongs with the paragraph above for this reason. That I, that I believe it is the fourth representation of what it looks like in our lives to be filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit... All these things will be true in your life, including that we will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In fact, I would say this, that the first three actually lead to number four. And as we are filled with the Spirit, we do those things. We willingly come to a place where, where we, we yield our lives and submit to one another rather than jockeying for position or trying to best somebody else or, or be, be better than them in any one thing or another thing uh, I, th- that that is the way of the world that's what we see in the world but I, I think being filled with the spirit means I don't have to do that anymore I can say you, you I submit to you because Jesus says that we're brothers and sisters and I love you and we're on the same plane And so that's why I believe that this goes in this paragraph. It eliminates diminishing anyone for any reason and putting anyone above or below anyone else. And that is the kingdom of God. There's no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. There's no rank in the kingdom of God. And I'm, oh, I don't want to get on a tangent. Okay, I'm going to go for it. You know, I see these posts sometimes. This guy's a general in the kingdom of God because he's so important. I go, nope, wrong. There's no generals in the kingdom of God. We're, we're all servants of Jesus. That's who we are. And I don't care who that guy is or how big his audience is. He has no more value in the eyes of Jesus than anyone in this room. And... Together, the body of Christ represents who he is. And every gift, every contribution, every person, every heart is equally valuable to him. And that is powerful. That is powerful. All right. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.